0: On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, the Oklahoma City Thunder made a statement in this win over the Chicago Bulls. They were fantastic tonight. We're going to go through it all. How did the Thunder impose their will on Chicago and why this sets up even more excitement on this season? You
1: are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at RylandStyles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO ThunderPod. You can even become part of the Insider Club at subtext.com slash lockdown thunder for more behind the scenes content on the Thunder themselves and also this show. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Use code LOCKDONNBA, and you're going to go there for the best place to play daily fantasy sports and get a first deposit match up to $100. This is one of the most exciting game recaps we've gotten to do on this show. I took over in May of 2020, and there's been some highs, but this is among the highest of highs for this Thunder team. This is the most anticipated season since 2017. This is the most anticipated season opener in a long time. Finally, after over a year, you get to watch Chet Holmgren play basketball in a real live NBA game. You get to see SGA, who has risen to superstardom in the last year. J-Dub, Giddy making a leap, Usman Jang, Kaysen Wallace, we have so much to discuss. And yet, for a 20-point road win against a fully healthy Bulls team, they were only missing Lonzo Ball, who they're going to miss all season. The Thunder did not have, who I would consider two of their key members of that rotation, in Jay Will with a hamstring injury and Kenny Hustle with a back injury. The Thunder also elected not to play Davis Bertans or Michic. Uh, Lindy Waters, Treyman, and Poku all got under two minutes uh, they didn't come in until the white flag was already waved. Uh, for Lindy Waters, he got in a little bit more because he got in at the end of quarters uh, to add some more shooting, but ultimately just throw them in the DNP thing too. Uh, Canthy Johnson was a healthy scratch in this one just because the Thunder have so many active players with no G League. They haven't like they can't send anybody down there yet, so somebody is going to end up having to be uh, kind of healthy and active with this many players uh, fresh. This win in Chicago was a statement. You only get one chance to make a first impression, and the Thunder's first impression after, after months of hype, after months of expectation, after months of opinions brewing from you know Bill Simmons and Adrian Wojnarowski, you know, prominent national figures, picking the Thunder to have a massive step forward. Bill Simmons projected this Thunder team to finish top four in the Western Conference. And their first impression is a 20-point win over Chicago on the road in which all of your young players played extremely well. And the first one that we're going to discuss today is none other than SGA. Shea played like an absolute superstar. Shea played the way you would hope he would, but he also got better. Every single season, we've talked about how Shea gets better in the the summertime. He's gotten better as a playmaker. He's he's, he's made a leap as a passer. In this game, 31 points, 10 assists, and three stocks. That's combining his steals and his blocks. And, And for SGA, he had that step back three over Alex Caruso, which was just unreal at creating space and also using his length to get over and shoot over the top of a really good defender. He attempted five threes tonight, so the willingness to shoot threes has carried over from the preseason. He missed three shots both inside the arc and outside the arc, uh, and so he was still insanely efficient as he has an uptick in three-point shots. But what continues to get you excited is his gravity and the attention that he commands. He had multiple plays where they only work because of who Shea is. They only work because of the the way you have to try to defend him. So he has this play where he shot fakes toward the rim at the three-point line. And the defense, you see a guy who averaged 30 points and he has a pretty nice clean look at a three and he shot fakes. You're going to rest your shoulders, look and see what happens and just assume he's truly going to shoot. And so as the defender's quit and turn into ball watchers. He swings the ball to Usman Jang, who's now wide open and he cashes it in. SGA has this play where his patience is on full display as he's able to get into the paint and and into the restricted area. And whenever a guy who can score so prolifically at the rim gets that deep into the paint, of course you're going to collapse on him. The entire defense comes crashing down and he is patient, he, he's running out of real estate, but he understands where his next move is, and he kicks it, kicks it to the corner for a Casey Wallace three. And so when you when you add in his elevated playmaking, he had a drive-and-kick over the head pass for an assist. like His elevated playmaking with his scoring profile, he can score catch-and-shoot threes, he can score step-back threes. He can get downhill at the rim, bump you off your spot, and finish through you. He can finish around you with his craftiness and slitheriness around the rim. He he effectively uses his gather and is able to locate the ball on his body to get through traffic and get a clean shot at the rim despite the trees down there contesting the shot. And oh yeah, not only can he play on and off ball, not only can he catch and shoot threes, not only can he create threes for himself, Not only can he go full-blown head of steam at the rim, not only can he be crafty around the rim, he can stop on a moment's notice. He can stop on a dime at the elbow and cash in a mid-range shot. This is a guy who scores at an elite level at the rim, who scores at an elite level in the mid-range. There's no defending him. And so what tonight was was validation. You've heard me all summer long talk about this pick-your-poison offense. And I think that you saw it come together in this game against Chicago where you see SGA manipulate the defense. What do you try to take away from SGA? Like, we always go into these things, and when we talk about offensive players that are of his caliber, and we talk about how, well, you have to take this away. There's nothing that you have to take away because it opens up other things. And so you pick your poison, and he's going to make you pay for it. If you collapse at the rim, he'll make you pay. If you stay home and it's one-on-one at the rim, good luck. If he has you in isolation, good luck. There's just nothing to do with SGA, and as the players have gotten better around him, and we'll talk about the leap that Jadab has made, we'll talk about the leap that Josh Giddy has made. We'll talk about the impressive debut of Cason Wallace and Chet Holmgren and, and the laundry list goes on, but it all starts with SGA. He's the head of the snake. And he didn't just do it offensively. He did it defensively as well, disrupting the opposition and using his size to his advantage of contesting shots and understanding how to switch and rotate, which trickles down to, of course, the rest of the roster. And so SGA was great tonight, and so was J-Dub. J-Dub scored the first seven points of this game. And he was absolutely different at the rim, which is insane to say. Remember, Jalen Williams is different at the rim. He shot 70% at the rim last year. But this year, it's just a different way to get there. It's controlled aggression. We spent a lot of last season, particularly all of last season, practically, all of last season, talking about how, you know, Jado's been great. I wish he'd shoot more. I wish he'd be more aggressive. I wish that he'd try to to get his own looks more. He's doing that. Now, he's still maintaining efficiency. He's not just willy-nilly hunting shots. But because he's able to attack the rim differently, attack the rim so hard and with such force, and in this transaction, right, in this transaction of gaining muscle and strength, He's lost none of the body control. He's lost none of the length. So he still is lengthy enough to finish around you. He's now strong enough to finish through you. And he has the body control to just hang in the air and wait for the opportunity to score, for the traffic to clear. And so that's why I say he's gotten better, because the layers in which he can score at the rim has improved. It might not show up in a statistical category this year. He might not shoot above 70%. He might shoot worse. He might shoot exactly 70%. But in the big picture of how he's scoring at the rim, it has gotten a lot better. You saw him play both ends of the pick and roll perfectly. And the the most impressive part is for a team who's going to run in transition so much, this is the guy you want going coast to coast, getting the head-to-head outlet pass, because he ducks that head down and goes so hard at the rim, he forces you to get out of the way, and it's an easy bucket, or you're going to foul him. Like, you're going to foul him. And it didn't end up mattering. It's a 20-point game. But with the amount of opportunities that you're going to get in transition, let's take this example here where because Jada went so hard at the rim, and didn't let off the gas pedal when barreling down, Kobe White had to foul him. And so within three minutes of the contest, Kobe White has two fouls. In a more important game to a possibly you know, better player, no offense to Kobe White, White, but like if you can eventually see throughout this season that adds up to he can force some of the best players in the league to get into foul trouble just by being stronger, just by being more aggressive at the rim. And then I think that you saw too the willingness to the willingness to trust himself or to take his good shot. The reason, again, I call it controlled aggression is he was more aggressive than last year. And, and it was because, hey, he's gonna take a good shot. Like that's a good shot. It, it missed, it didn't, it didn't go down, it didn't go the way he planned. That's a good shot. Even though someone else on the court had a great shot that might not be as talented as J-Dub, he took the good shot. That's exactly the key for him. There's going to be lineups in which the person you want shooting the ball, the person you want trying to score is J-Dub. That's on the floor. And so if he finds himself with a good look, even though player X has a, has a great look, I'd rather have the good look sometimes. And so I think that today he was kind of more willing to, to take those opportunities, he shot 45% from the floor, two for six from three, a steal, five assists, three rebounds, and 16 points, and again, the fast, blistering start of seven straight points for the Thunder. j was just vastly improved from where he was a season ago, and, and it's it's not his biggest box score, but it was very crucial, especially in that first quarter. We'll talk about Chet Holmgren. We'll talk about Josh Giddy, Kaysen Wallace, and so many more coming up, but first... I want to say right now, better good friends over at Ibotta. Folks, Ibotta is great. How does a free Thanksgiving sound this year? Because Ibotta is here to give you cash back and help make sure that your Thanksgiving table is complete because who wants Turkey without the gravy? This is what Ibotta does for you. So starting November 1st for the fourth year in a row, Ibotta is giving a hundred percent cash back on your Thanksgiving feast for That, you just go there and it offers it in the app. Just add the app uh, and then to redeem it for everything that you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete, this is all you got to do is go shopping at your favorite retailers and you can just upload the receipt and boom, Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to pantries uh, and even personal care. So you can make sure that you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Other apps like Ibotta, they, they give you they give you points that don't really amount to much, but Ibotta is the app where they give you real, cold, hard cash back. You get the cash in your hand, and, and you can either cash out and put it in your bank account. You can do PayPal. You can do gift cards. You can do whatever you want with that cash, but you get the quiche. So you can go there right now and earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and realtors, uh, and whenever you start with Ibotta, you can go and it even includes like Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. So download the Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. You're going to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. So go there right now on the App Store, Google Play Store. Download the free Ibotta app. Use the code LOCKED. And that's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play and App Store. Use code LOCKED. Folks, want to say right now. Look at friends over at Prize Picks. What a start we are to the NBA season for myself, anyway. Prize Picks is treating me right; it can treat you right too. So, with Prize Picks, it's the best way to play daily fantasy sports. And in my opinion, whenever you're you're looking at Prize Picks, the best part about it is it's daily fantasy sports, but it's just you versus the numbers. It's you versus the outcome. You're not playing against somebody who knows all the latest trends and all the latest details on on the fantasy aspect of sports. It's just, hey, will player X have more or less than X amount of points? So, for example, some, some of the Thunderlines today were Shea. Was he going to get more or less than a half a block? That hit, right? So that's how easy it is. Now, you have to do a minimum of two players. You can go crazy and add 50 billion players, but at least two have to be added. And then you go there and just project they have more or less than their. Uh, projection from points, rebounds, assists, blocks, steals. You you can get these special deals where they're combining how many points will SGA and Chet score as a duo. And like there's just these fun little uh, bets you can make over there at Prize Picks. Go there right now to prizepickscom slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA with your first deposit to get up to $100 matched for you. Check it out today. That's prizepickscom slash LockedOnNBA. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Every single morning, every single day, we're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Folks, what a game this was. What a game in Chicago. So we talked about Jada, talked about Shay, talked about the game as a whole for a little bit. We're going to get into more of it later on. But Josh Giddy also deserves a huge shout-out. I think he's the best inbounder in the NBA. Uh, he was incredible in the half-court inbounds uh, under the basket and some side-out plays as well. Uh, he had a fantastic play where uh, his passing chops were on full display for a m- multitude of reasons. The first reason is a piggyback on what we discussed at length yesterday, if you missed yesterday's show. The swing for me for Josh Giddy is not his three-point shot. It's actually him scoring inside the arc and then garnering more attention from the defense. And so with Josh Giddy in this game, he was so aggressive early on at getting to the rim. He was so good at finishing at the rim that eventually the Bulls started to, to adjust to that and try to cut him off at the rim. But guess what? When you try to adjust to that and J-Dub cuts off of it, then boom, Josh Giddy will get the pass off and it's, it's J-Dub cutting behind you for a reverse finish. And then he also had a play where you just saw his timing as a passer. The Thunder ran this play where uh, – Chet is cutting across the court uh, from from uh, the break of the three point line, and as he's cutting, Jeddah sprints into a screen, uh, and so that disrupts that that initial defender for the Thunder. And Giddy makes the pass perfectly as Chet is getting downhill, and as Jeddah is laying the screen to where there's basically no stopping Chet. He has a, now a full head of steam at the rim. Uh, he goes up at the at the ring and gets fouled for an and one. And it's all set up by the timing of Josh Giddey's pass, and also everyone else has to do their job too. But you're seeing just how good these passes are and how it relays to the rest of the play. He shot 50% from the floor, and an encouraging aspect of this, as he goes two for three from three. That one miss was his first miss, and it was an air ball. But yet, he air balls the three early in the game. so like the crowd's still into it uh, at the UC and they're they're chanting air ball, you know they're 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 doing all the hysteria around the air ball. And then you go two for two after that, from beyond the arc, on wide open shots. And not only do you go two for two, but after you airball, you get the ball wide open at the three point line, and there's not even the slightest bit of hesitation. There's not even the slightest bit of thought. I'm open, I'm gonna shoot. And with the hours that he's put in with Chip England and will continue to put in with Chip England, that confidence right there, that mindset is what encourages me the most in his ability to improve as a three-point shooter throughout the duration of his career. And in this game, he got a lot better at turning the corner and bumping guys off their spot and and being physical at the rim. He finishes with 16 points, six rebounds, six assists, shot 50% from the floor, that That is a beautiful stat line from Josh Giddey. That's exactly how you play your role if you're Josh Giddey. And so you move from Josh Giddey into the last member of the core four to make their debut is Chet Holmgren. His first bucket is this pass to the corner, and, and he's faced up a, a, a on Vooch, and, and he turns and does this like shake-and-bake, shimmy-shake, mid-range uh, baseline jumper. And then that play we talked about with Josh Giddy, where it sets it up for an and one. He understands basketball to the highest level. He was incredibly active and involved in all the action, even on plays where he's not going to get any credit for it. Cause he at times didn't even touch the ball in these plays where they're using him as a screener and he's slipping to the rim or what I mean by kind of the activity, but also the the understanding of where to be and, and where to position himself, there are times where he's at the dunker spot or he's in the paint, and here comes Josh Skiddy. Here comes SGA barreling at the rim. The Thunder have a ton of guys who like to live at the rim. And guess what? Chet then floats out to the corner three, floats out to an open area of the mid-range, and... When you're being defended by a center, here's the big kicker of why Chet's got the advantage at playing center. You're being defended by a center. Do I leave this perfectly great runway to the rim and go follow Chet, or do I stand my ground and defend against good rim defenders and J-Dub, Che, Josh, and just see what happens with Chet? And then it's on your teammates to go and, and, and pick up Chet and switch on to Chet as he's just kind of floating behind the group. And behind the action. And while it didn't necessarily come into play in this game, that is something that is set up for the future and, and that you can build on for the future. And so understanding where he needs to be to help stretch out and bend that defense is over half the battle as a as a big man. Understanding where to go and, and, and how to get out of the way is, a, is half the battle. So that positioning was great tonight from Chet Holmgren. And so when you, when you look at his, at his ability to feed off of what the Thunder like to do, it just makes you even more excited for two months from now. Whenever they've had more time, when, when they've gotten to see these things on film, when they've gotten to figure out their spots for when to actually use him after he floats to the open area and when to keep the ball. And then there's another play that didn't work, so like no one's going to remember it in this specific game, but I think that by the end of the year, you'll remember this action very well. It, it is this dribble pitch handoff from Chet to Joe. It's going to be deadly. It's going to be absolutely deadly because either going to net Isaiah Joe in open three, which he will set up for every day of the week and twice on Sunday, or Isaiah Joe will be covered and you're going to lose track of Chet Holmgren and he's going to be open, and you really like that battle as well. But ultimately, the the stat line is relatively quiet. 11 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal. But he did a lot of hidden things well. And defensively, I want to talk about him getting dunked on and the highlights against him. I'm interested to follow, right? Like, we understand the game here. The Thunder are going to play him at center, and he's going to try to block shots. He'll have a night pretty soon where, because of his willingness to try to block shots and not make business decisions, he'll rattle off three blocks and register three, four blocks in a game, and it will be just glorious. And if it's at home, the Paycom Center roof will will fall in on on itself. But he's also going to get dunked on. And Sam Presti mentioned that at the beginning of the month in his preseason presser, that Chet's going to get dunked on. He said those exact words. And what did he do? He got dunked on today by Andre Drummond. Now, what I'm interested in is not that he got dunked on. I already know that's going to happen. It's going to happen many, many, many times. By the end of the the year, you can probably make a five-minute highlight video of Chet getting dunked on, if not longer, because he's willing to go contest those shots. What interests me, though, is how personal the road crowd and the, the players take getting to dunk on Chet. Now, it's always a big play if you dunk on anybody. Uh, The the United Center could see Andre Drummond dunk on me and then get excited. And some of you out there would get excited too. But the players getting super juiced for dunking on Chet specifically netted Andre Drummond a technical foul today. And in a closer game than a 20-point game, one of those... uh, could be mighty costly. It could be mighty costly. It can swing momentum. It can create that stoppage if you're in a good flow, and if nothing else, it should. Uh, although we know the trouble the Thunder have had of, of making their technical foul free throws, it should result in the easiest point you're ever going to get. So, how many times do you, the opponents make a great play to get that to get that jolt of energy on a, on a dunk over Chat? but then sort of somewhat negate it with a technical foul. I'm interested to see kind of how the, the veterans around the league continue to view dunking on Chet Holmgren and if it, if it causes a problem for anybody else. Perhaps my favorite storyline of tonight's game is Case and Wallace. I've been telling you about Casey Wallace for a long time. And I feel very validated by his his opening night. Look, he's not going to shoot five for five from the floor and three for three again. He had this, he had the same sort of situation happen in Summer League, where he went, what, six for six from three and was just awesome for his uh, summer league debut. And then the shooting came back down to earth. What validates me f- for what validates Casey Wallace's game for me is not the 13 points, or the perfect shooting. Th- those are the icing on the cake. That's the cherry on top of the sundae. And I wouldn't turn it down if he's going to shoot 100% from both this year, but it's just not going to happen. What I like to see from Case and Wallace is that steadiness, that professional mentality he had. And the fact that the NBA was not too fast for him His ability to cover ground defensively, to show and recover, to switch, to rotate, his ability to rise up and contest taller players on jump shots, all of those things to me added up to me feeling even more confident in my opinions of he can impact this game in a positive way right out of the gate as a rookie. And he did that tonight. He was part of those massive runs that, that grew the lead and eventually put the kids to bed in this one. So his NBA speed is what is very exciting for me. His ability to handle matchups where he's not the taller guy and he's undersized is what, and deter shots, is what validated his game for me in this one. The understanding of his assignments and where to be and who to go guard, which then helps his teammates be be in better positions and helps fill the gaps as a team defense, which the Thunder schematically play a pretty tough style of defense, especially for rookies to understand because it's so heavy, reliant on rotating and on collapsing and on sprinting out to go and contest shots late. The only thing that really I would knock on Kacen Wallace is he, he had a few cheap fouls, but... The reason why I I don't truly knock him for that is because this is the first time that that's popped its head open. Like he didn't get cheap fouls in summer league. He didn't get cheap fouls in preseason. That is an abnormal kind of outcome for him to where I wonder if that at all had to do with his first game on the road, a little too much juice, trying to do a little bit too much. Because we spent all summer long on this podcast praising his ability to stick his hand in the cookie jar and not get caught and, and, and not not have contact. This time he got caught. Everybody has an off day. Everybody gets caught in the cookie jar more than others. But offensively, not only could he steady the ship for the secondary unit as a playmaker, but the catch-and-shoot threes I think are real. I think – if you give him clean looks from three, he's going to cash in more often than not. And that goes back to his days at Kentucky from, from November till February 1st, he shot 40% from three. He dealt with injuries. He dealt with a roll change and then it levels out at 35% from three, but that's quite a significant sample size of him shooting 40% from three. So I believe in the three point shot. I believe in the defense and what's kind of got me truly excited a little bit is, is his ability to shoot off the dribble. Uh, I think in the preseason he shot uh, five for eight off the dribble. He was one for one tonight. If my math's correct, that makes him six for nine. But again, I, I went to school in Lawton, so my math's probably never right. But you know, Kason was really good tonight, and I, I think that he proved that he can make a winning impact. And we still have a couple more games here. Like there's still going to be. A, a fairly long runway here. Blue media day is Friday, n- not not tomorrow, next Friday. And the games won't start happening for another few days after that. So we have a pretty long runway of games before the blue. I think Hayes and Wallace in this time frame can force the hand of Mark and, and be a guy who just simply sticks in the NBA for 99% of the year, if not 100% of the year. Because he's that good. And because not only is he that good, he's that thundery, and he's and he's the kind of player that Mark gravitates toward. This defender, savvy, cutting, playmaking, shooting guy. So I think Casey Wallace is, is just steady and, and he is just a really good rookie player. And and I cannot wait to watch how his career blossoms and how the season goes for him. There's still going to be ups and downs. So maybe this is just an extreme high. But first impression, really good from Casey Wallace. And it's adding on what we heard throughout training camp. It's adding on what we've heard from the players themselves. You you had guys like SGA, all training camp, say, this guy's ready to play right now. He looked the part tonight. You know, Cleveland's a new game. Denver's a new game. Detroit's a new game. New Orleans is a new game, like on down the list, but as of right now, it can't get better. It cannot get better for Casey Wallace. Let's talk Isaiah Joe, Usman Jang. Why did Michich not play and so much more? All coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now about good friends over at FanDuel. Folks, it's the best time to open up FanDuel. You go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown. And when you do, why it's the best time, you might ask, is because everything's in session. World Series starts Friday. NBA is back. NHL is back. College football's on. NFL is on. You have everything to bet from, from here to kingdom come that you could want in the world of sports, and you can go do it over there at FanDuel. And when you do, with America's number one sports book and the official partner of Lockdown in the NFL, when you go there right now, you're going to get $200 in bonus bets. That's right. New customers, whenever they go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown, they get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. So you place that $5 bet, you could win, you could lose, but you for sure will get $200 in bonus bets at FanDuel to bet on the spread, player props, over unders, and so much more. Folks, our picks so far, 1-0 and with the Thunder covering 1.5 uh. uh this this evening so we can continue on that streak with Philadelphia taking on the bucks and the suns taking on the Lakers tonight let's take let's take the bucks minus six at home against the sixers in this game check it out today at finner.com slash lockdown finner.com slash on
1: the NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama.
0: We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Isaiah Joe is such a weapon off the bench. He he has this ability to not only be a flamethrower as a shooter, but the gravity he pulls in as a shooter changes the complexity of this offense. He got a foul call on his three-point jump shot because guys are so overzealous to try to take it away. And and that fourth-quarter barrage is what blew the game open where he not only got a a couple threes off, of course, but he had a clutch-time steal where he goes coast-to-coast and finishes at the rim because Isaiah Joe is more than a shooter. More than a shooter to me. Isaiah Joe was fantastic, 14 points, five rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Usman Jang vastly improved. He he had been getting uh, first guy off the bench minutes in preseason. And, you know, we were left wondering, "Eh, is that going to continue in in the real season? It did. Uh, He he was involved in that first sub with Wiggins. And wow, if Usman Jang can continue to hit threes at this clip, he will have a massive impact on this season because he has all the tools defensively to fit in with what they want to do defensively. He fits their defensive identity. He fit their defensive identity last year. That was not the problem. He could have played last year defensively. The problem last year was his lack of aggression, uh, You know, him floating around the, around the floor, and then he, he wasn't able to convert at a high clip from three uh, consistently. And you just didn't take enough threes in the sense of, like, it had to be the perfect outcome for him to shoot because he just wasn't aggressive enough. But when given the daylight tonight, he shot the ball. And he shot it well. Three for five from three. Two rebounds. He played his best basketball as this small ball five. and You know Mark likes to go small. Small ball five who who can switch all around the floor and it forced a 24-second call on the Bulls offense. There were multiple times where Usman Jang got wide open because the big man just simply forgot. uh, That's my guy that's floating around there. Like, like it it gets confusing when he's the center and he's who you're supposed to be picking up and identifying. And so he's able to float around, and and, and, and in this case, floating around is a good thing, and and, and lose his matchup. But it comes down to the swing of shooting. Like, all this is really good stuff for for game one. Where he levels off at shooting the basketball is going to be where he levels off at in playing time. Hopefully, for Usman Jang and for the Thunder... It is at this 3-for-5 clip somewhere around there throughout the season. So Vasily Mitchich did not play in this game, and people are freaking out about it. I told you the day he got signed that he knew what he signed up for, and what he signed up for was a team that explores the roster, takes it to the limits, and changes up rotations and changes up lineups constantly. This is the first game of the year, and he did not play, For all we know, he can play 40 minutes against the Cleveland Cavaliers on Friday. But at the end of the day, I think it's important to note not only is it the first game of the year and not only are rotations never set in stone with Mark, but most importantly, above all, that even Meechich said himself that he still has some adjusting to do to the NBA and that training camp isn't enough time for him to make the adjustments. It's coming up quick, but he's trying to make the adjustment as fast as he can, he said. I think that in this, in this case, it's kind of where we get our, our 2K cap on, right? Where it's like, hey, he's on the roster. He's not injured. He's a really good player. He should be playing. But there's that human element of we want to blame Mark. We want to blame the rotations. What if he's just not ready? Like, What if he himself is not ready and you'd be doing him a disservice if you played him in this game? And he looked good in the preseason at times. He also at times looked very slow uh, and looked like he couldn't keep up with the NBA pace. And that's something that he said he struggles with is he said he struggles with the pace of the NBA. And he thinks and he thinks that that's why NBA players are more tired than Euroleague League players is because of the pace that they play at. And he said he struggles with the fact of given that there's no three seconds in the paint overseas and there is here, that's a big adjustment because you no longer have that anchor in the paint just to, pick you up defensively. And with the space and pace of the NBA, you're having to play a lot more one-on-one defense that he just was not equipped for and, and, and did not have to do in the Euro leagues. So I know we're quick to point fingers. I know we're quick to make an overreaction, but we understood what we signed up for the Thunder are going to change the rotation Friday, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and so on. And Mitrice still is not comfortable in the NBA yet, so like let's just let's just give it time here. Now, if we get if we get on into the month of November and this is still happening, then there's a lot of questions to come about. But I'm not going to question it just yet. It's interesting. It's worth noting, but it's not worth freaking out about for me that that Mietrich did not play in this game. Uh, Lou Dort did play, and Lou Dort. Made a couple of bad decisions. Like he made a decision one time where he went in on like four guys at the rim, and obviously that did not, that did not end well at all. Uh, he had a play where Isaiah Joe was in the deep corner, and, and he's in the mid corner, and he could have swung it to Joe for a wide open three. Instead, Dort takes a somewhat contested three and misses it. But but other than that, his overall decision making did get cleaner. And it, other than that, it was threes or rim shots, threes or rim shots for Lou Dort. That's what you want from Lou Dort and he played stellar defense and he had a play where he keeps the free throw alive, uh, from, from a Chet miss free throw. He keeps it alive. It pops out to giddy giddy goes and scores in the paint. All started by the work Lou Dort did to get on the floor and to hustle. So overall first litmus test of the theory that with better players around him, Lou Dort will be more efficient and Lou Dort will, um, play better and will uh, play a better role fit for him. I think first test out there, it was a mixed bag, but I would say it's, it's like a C plus for Lou Dort of like, okay, we can see that you're trying to adjust. Now let's execute the adjustment for, for moving forward for Lou Dort. But ultimately this was a fantastic game for the Thunder. They win 124 to 104. They shot fifty. 4.9% from the floor. The Bulls shot 41%. So the Thunder, let's keep this in mind. There were stretches where this game felt clunky. There were stretches where this game felt bogged down. There were stretches where this game felt like the Thunder were desperately missing Shea. And yet, when you look up at the end of the ball game, the Thunder shot 54-48-83. The Thunder were up by 21 at one point. They won by 20. And the Thunder had an offensive explosion for 124. If if I told you the Thunder scored 124 and shot 54, 48, 83, you would would take that in a heartbeat, in a New York minute. And I I think that the resolve of the Thunder team, whenever the Bulls won that 7-0 run to open up the third quarter, the timeout by Mark, and then from there it was all Thunder, highlighted by that 12-0 run by the Thunder at the end of the third quarter, was awesome. And... The last note I want to make for today's show. The key for the Thunder in getting downhill and putting pressure on the rim, they were in the bonus with eight minutes to go in the first quarter. And so if you play, right, if you play 82 games, which the Thunder do, and even in like a fraction of those games, if you're in the bonus that long, more often than not, in those opportunities, you're going to get free, easy points. And that can be massive difference makers for this team. MVP of the game is always going to be Shea, probably, especially Shea in this game. The non-Shea MVP, Case Wallace, for me, he was just awesome tonight and deserves a lot of credit. Let me know your three biggest takeaways from this season opening win down below and on Twitter at Ryland_Styles. underscore Styles. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.